Hello and welcome to Cammy's Supporters Club. I'm Chris Kamara and this is my podcast. In each episode, I'm inviting some familiar faces to chat about the football team they love and the music that they've listened to along the way. In each episode, my guests will bring five tracks from their own record collections that remind them of the club they follow and their lives as football fans. It's time to welcome another new member into Cammy's Supporters Club, the wonderfully talented Matt Ford. Matt is an impressionist, a television writer, and an absolute (laughs) radio presenter. Matt, how are you? I'm very good, Cammy. How are you? Brilliant, thank you. I'm really good. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Really, really impressed that you've come on because you do impressions. Yes. So come on, who's your favourite person you like to take off? Well, I started off doing football ones. So Motson was the first one that I did as a John kid. John Watson, we've got to hear that before you move on. <laughs> Come on, give us a bit of Motson. Yeah, so Motson, very much at the front of the voice, Cammy. As you may know, it's the second time we've met in as many seasons. With Nottingham Forest beating Crystal Palace, that kind of very much at the front. <laughs> very clear. Is it not, Cammy? You know, that kind of sound. <laughs> Uh, I love Motti. Do you know that? I've missed seeing him since he retired from the BBC because you would always have a great chat with him. His enthusiasm for football was, you know, held no boundaries. Yeah, he was. I loved the sound of his voice. And then there was Alan Hansen. You always know he's going to work with that, that kind of law. It's <laughs> just uh, one law and kind of noise in the heart. And he's noise in the middle of it. You know, that's the thing. And then, obviously, I mean, you talk about enthusiasm. You, Stelling, you know, Sky Sports became the home of the enthusiastic. So Jim White is one that, breaking news, Cammy, live on Absolute Radio, is Cammy Supporters Club. <laughs> We're getting news that Peter Odenwengi has turned up outside and is demanding to go on the podcast. More as that, live as it develops, live on Sky. Oh, I love Jim. I love Jim. He's one of the nicest blokes going around. But he tells you, whenever he does an interview with anyone, he'll tell them how wonderful and how brilliant they are just to get them going. And then he'll hit them with the acid questions. And it's like, oh, come on, Jim. <laughs> Don't spoil it now. Come on. Who else? I really like Adam Smith, you know, Adam Smith for the boxing, that real boxing way that he talks. It's a showpiece fight. It's AJ against Tyson Fury. It's in Saudi Arabia and it's live on Sky Sports Box Office. <laughs> and it's Frotch Gross 2 live at Wembley Stadium, the IBF, WBO, WBC, Super Middleweight Championship of the World. Frotch digs in deep, goes upstairs, works the body. Gross is looking to check out here. You know, that kind of like... Ri- that's how boxing should sound to Jim Watt, who's a great co-commentator. That's a fantastic ring from Carol Froch. Lucien Boutet didn't know the way back to his ring. I couldn't hear the bell here. And you know, that is how it should sound. Whereas Snooker, you know, John Virgo is very much like that, Chris. You know, where's that cue ball going? And you, that's how it would, you couldn't commentate on boxing like you would on Snooker. You couldn't have John Virgo going, oh. Where's that left hand going? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So they have to stay. I'm really kind of into how different commentators make those different sports sounds. Yeah. 
And I think with football, with boxing, you have to be full of energy. And then things like snooker, you have to be, and cricket, a lot more conversational, slightly whispery. You know, there's a, mm. there's a kind of different style. And, and it's an impressionist. That just gives you so much to work with. Uh, well, that was great. But for our listeners, who do you support? Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest fan. Wow. <laughs> you sound disappointed. No, not at all. Not at all. No. How did you fall in love with Forest in the first place? Well, I grew up in Nottingham. I was very lucky. I was sadly born after the great European days. So I was born in 1982 mm-hmm. and missed out on 79 and 80 and that incredible fairy tale where Cluffy takes us from the second division to the top of Europe twice. But I do remember when I was growing up, late 80s, Cluffy was the manager. Stuart Pearce was at left back. Nigel Cluffy. You know, we had big stars and we were regularly at Wembley. So really it was my mum was a Forest supporter but didn't go anymore. So it was her dad, my granddad, and her uncle, my uncle Joe, my uncle, my uncle Vin, and they got me my first Forest shirt for Christmas in 1990. And it was that, plus Italia 90 was just incredible for, for my generation. I think seven is probably about the right age to get into football. And just, I was aware of Psycho, and he was kind of my idol. And then obviously he's playing for England with Des Walker, like Forest legends getting to the World Cup semi-final. And then it all ends in tears and gas. And it's just like, I didn't realise... Football until then had only been, just been something that, you know, the men watched in the corner of the room. Now it was this huge emotional big deal. Yeah. And then the summer after that, we're in the FA Cup final and we lose and I cry again. And it was just, it was this really emotional introduction to it. And from that point on, my first game was that season in 1990, November. And you just can't, you know, watching it on telly is incredible. Being there as a kid. You've never seen that many people in one place before. Mm-hmm. You've never seen 20, 30,000 people. And they're all there. And half of them are drunk. And some of them are urinating at the back of the stand. And they're swearing. And like, you can't get over it. You're like, what is this? And from that point then, I, I was just hopelessly, completely hooked on it. Oh, you mentioned Brian Clough, the god himself. Have you got any cluffy stories? <laughs> yeah, I was a mascot for a forest game. One of his last ever games in charge in 1993 against Palace on the 3rd of March. And I had really bad eczema at the time. And he was um, he was in a bad way. And even as a kid, you could kind of sense that. Mm-hmm. But he was this huge, charismatic, imposing figure. And they said, oh, Matthew, this is um, the manager, Mr. Clough. I said, oh, nice to meet you, Mr. Clough. And he went, bloody hell, son, you are an ugly bugger. <laughs> And I had this rash on my face. He went, what have you been doing all afternoon? Headbutting pizzas. <laughs> I said, no, I said, no, Mr. Clough. I said, he's eczema. He goes, come with me, young man. He takes me into the physio's room. Like Roy Keane and Nigel Clough are in there getting their thighs on. He says to Graham Lyas, the physio, he goes, we got anything for this young man's face? It gives me a pot of stuff called Betnovates. And my eczema was terrible as a kid, Cammy. Like, I, was, I was at the doctor's all the time with it. It was hell. And it cleared it up like that. So the next time I go to the doctors, and I'm still only like primary school age, he says, oh my God, your skin's fantastic. What have you done? Have you taken wheat out of your diet or dairy? I said, no, um, I've got some Betnovate. He says, you cannot put it on your face. It's full of steroids. Where on earth did you get it? I said, oh, Brian Clough gave it me. And the doctor went, oh my God, you met Cluffy. And my mum was like, hang on, just, is his face <laughs> going to drop off it, or yeah. not? Never mind, but Cluffy. So it was, and then, and then years later, so on the day when you're a mascot, the, the club photographer takes a few snaps of you. And I've got a beautiful photo of Cluffy in his green jumper hugging me in my forest kit. 
And then years later, I queued up when he brought his book out in Nottingham and had that photo. And um, he signs the book. And I said, oh, can you sign the photo as well, please, Mr. Clough? And he looked at the photo. He went, oh, I looked a lot better back then. <laughs> so did you, you fat bastard. <laughs> 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 it's amazing. Uh, the only two times I met him. Oh, brilliant. Well, as a, a Forest fan, can I say, in the middle to late 80s, Unbeknown to me, I had the opportunity to sign for Forrest. No way! Exactly I didn't know under that. Under Brian Clough. <gasps> but Scott uh, Archie Gemmell stopped him signing me because a young Scott Gemmell was breaking through. And so Archie talked him out of it. Paul Hart told me that story when I got to Leeds. No way! <laughs> oh, ma- would you have liked to have played for Clough? Ah, absolutely. He lived next door to my mum in Middlesbrough. Next door but one, you know. But if you say next door but one, that's a million miles away. (laughs) But not on that uh, council estate that we lived in. Valley Road in Middlesbrough, next door but one, and went out with my mum's sister for a while. Wow. So actually, he could have been your boss and your uncle. He could have. Right, Matt. Okay, we ask all of our guests for five songs that they associate with supporting their team over the years. What's the first track that you're bringing to Cammy's Supporters Club? I do know what it is, actually. It's Underworld, Born Slippy. Tell me why. So the opening bars of this, people will know it as it's the song from uh, made famous by Trainspotting. But it's got that beautiful string synth opening bars. And at the city ground on match day, they play this just before kickoff. Just those opening bars on repeat. And it has this kind of entrancing effect on the stadium. It's an amazing bit of music. I don't know what connection it has to Forrest. The guy who does the match day music must have just liked the sound of it. Because I'm not sure there's any connection with the band. But it, it sounds great. And what it is, it's kind of introduction music. It's not the music that's going to make everything kick off. It's kind of this sense of anticipation. And whenever I hear it now, I just immediately can picture the city ground on match day. Ah, oh, brilliant. So, you're a young lad growing up. Who did you want to be in that Forest team? Oh, psycho. Stuart Pierce. My mum actually reminded me of this the other week. I used, to, <laughs> I used to measure my thighs as a kid to see if they were as big as Stuart Pierce's. I used to sort of like get my legs out and be like, are they as big as... I remember once my mum, God, she reminded me of this as well. When I was a kid and, you know, I'd walk to school on my own, primary school age, and she'd give you the talk about don't get in strangers' cars. And she said, don't take sweets off any strange people. And if anyone ever does anything, you have to tell me. And I said to her, even if it's Stuart Pierce, because I was like so convinced that like, well, Stuart Pierce didn't do anything wrong. Like for me, he was almost like God. So I was just obsessed with him and still am. I just think he was like, because he wasn't the best player we had. He was a very good footballer, but there were better players around, you know, Collie Moore he played with and Nigel Clough and Van Oydonk. But Pierce was a leader. And he was like a front man of a band and he wouldn't come out before kickoff. So he wouldn't train on the pitch. You'd only see him just at kickoff. Just the, he understood the psychology of football fans and he understood the psychology of Forrest. And after he left, it's just never been as loud. He was like, 
it was like when Oasis split or something. It's just not quite the same without both of them there, you know. And it was Pierce for me was just a, a completely different type of character to anyone else we had. Well, the reason I asked you that before playing Underworld Born Slippy was because Stuart Pierce was a headbanger as well. And this was one of the songs he loved. Let's have a listen. <laughs> That's the only bit I remember. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't mention that bit. That's the most famous bit. <laughs> uh, any song with lager in it is a is a hit for me. Ah <laughs> uh, dear. So the history of Forrest, Archie Gemmell, Gary Burtles, uh, John Robertson, Trevor Francis, Kenny Burns. I mean. You know, so many superstar footballers, you know. John McGovern, you know, what a leader and a captain. What do you think about that history of your club? I just think it's magnificent. I mean, obviously every every fan loves their club's history and most English football clubs have been around for kind of like 100 odd years. So there's, you know, Huddersfield have an amazing past. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got something. But I think with Forests. You can tell when you talk to supporters of other clubs that Forest is slightly unique in that the European Cups for a club of our size is incredible. The only other people that have won them, you know, Man City haven't won one yet. It's it's such a big deal that we won it twice and that it was Clough who was this, he transcended football. People of a particular generation, my mum's generation, he was one of the most famous people in Britain. Like He was a TV star. He was on Frost and Parkinson. He was bigger than football. So, you know, there have been other big deals in football management like Ferguson and Wenger, but none of them appealed to people as much as Clough did. He was, and they loved the way, his teams played really good football and they didn't get in bother with referees. Like they did it all the right way. So I think it's a shame that that's all in the past because in a way, that's what makes the story even more incredible is that we're not in the big time. So it's a really cool thing to have. Track two is Life of Riley by the Lightning Seeds, right? I remember this song because it was used on Match of the Day for Goal of the Month. Let's just remind all the oldies like me what it sounds like. So we know you have the life of Riley, but why have you chosen it? <laughs> well, for the reason that you gave, it immediately takes me back to gold of the month on match of the day. And I think that's um, the reason they basically got the three lions gig, wasn't it? Was that song almost became like an unofficial football anthem. Everyone associated it with, I mean, I whenever I see those two Tony Yeboa goals, the beautiful ones where he cracks the underside of the bar. They were like almost identical. I immediately think of the life of Riley. It takes me straight back to a kind of hot British summers. <laughs> For some reason, it makes me remember that the weather was better in the olden times. But it takes me back to those, those mid-90s, Britpop, Euro 96, the, the opening years of the Premier League, and specifically Tony Yeboa. I just, I see those goals every time I, I hear that music. And it's just a brilliant bit of nostalgia. Oh, absolutely. Is there a goal 
that you remember more than most for Forrest? Oh, crikey. You know what? Steve Chettles against Bayern Munich. <laughs> we got to the UEFA Cup quarterfinal in 96. And Chettle, of all the players, scores against Bayern Munich in the away leg. <laughs> and, Poor and, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lovely fella, isn't he? I've talked to him about it. Even Motson's surprised because Bayern Munich score first. And then we get a free kick about 40 yards out and Dave Phillips floats it in. And then Chettle, and he told me this years later, and I didn't appreciate this, that game is in Munich at the Olympic Stadium. And Chettle's from Nottingham, he's a Forest fan, and adored Trevor Francis. And that is the same goal that Francis scores the winning goal in the 79 European Cup final in with his head. And Chettle, mm-hmm. a defender, who barely scored any goals, scores this headed goal in Europe, in the Olympic Stadium, you know, repeating the feat of his idol. But Monson... I'd never forget, even as a kid, watching it. And he goes, chance for an early reply here for Nottingham Forest. And Dave Phillips? Oh, and Chettle! Steve Chettle! And <laughs> no one can believe it. And I just remember Chettle running away and Steve Stone just smiling. They're like giggling with each other. They can't believe that he scored at Bayern Munich. So I think that, that is such an iconic goal. That I'd have to pick that one. Oh, isn't it a shame, though? A lot of these players, and a lot of players I played with and against disappear you know I'm fortunate enough to stay in the public eye but these players like Steve Chettle never seen or heard of again you know around somewhere God knows what job they're doing you know I always wonder what they're doing what they're up to I I used to get loads and loads of messages when I started doing goals on Sunday to begin with get me on the program get me on the program and then, you know, I'd ask the producer and they'd go, oh, does, does everybody in the UK know them? And I'd go, well, everybody in Nottingham does. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Not good enough, not good enough. Oh, man. Right, let's go on to your third track. Now, this made me giggle <laughs> straight away. And I had to watch the video last night, which made me laugh even more because Ant and Deck were trying to be Sven and Todd Grip. It's, it's called We're on the Ball. Let's have a listen before we chat. And Heskey makes it fire. The official England song for 2002. They never mention it anymore, Ant and Deck. <laughs> but you brought it back, Matt. <laughs> I love it. You know what? It gets it obviously in the kind of history of official England songs, World in Motion and Three Lions. This one always gets left out, and I loved it. I think it's really catchy. I think it's really funny. I love the bit at the end. Where I think they're describing one of the goals against Germany in the 5-1. And they go, it's Neville to Campbell, Campbell to Rio, Rio to Scolzi, Scolzi, Gerard, Gerard to Beckham, Beckham to Heskey, Heskey to <laughs> Owen. It's a goal. Fuck. I remember listening to that thinking, oh, I wonder what it's like. And I just thought, this is incredible. And then literally everyone else I ever talked about it says, what are you talking about? It's terrible. No, I really like it. So I've um, I've already made... I make a playlist every time um, there's a major tournament on, so for the World Cups, and I've I've got I've been listening to that a lot recently, and I just think it's great, and it reminds me of that 2002 World Cup, where the games run so early, 
you're in the pub at seven in the morning drinking Guinness. And it felt like, because the kickoff so early, it felt like we were, you're only really drinking Guinness at seven in the morning if you're at Gatwick, like if you're going on a stag tour or something. So it felt like for a month, the whole world, or at least in England, was basically on a stag do for a bit. You were allowed to go, the pubs were allowed to open at half six in the morning. And, you know, if you told a new generation, this, I mean, there are people now 18 who weren't even born then. If you said, you know, just before you were born, the government allowed all the pubs in England to open at six in the morning and people were going there drinking to watch the football and then going to work. You're like, what? You're like, yeah, it was legal. It was the best summer of our lives. It's a shame we didn't really do anything in the tournament, but apart from that, it was great. Well, there is one other England song that doesn't get ever talked about, I have to say. It was sung by somebody I know well in 2012. It was called Sing for England, the official England song. Oh, I know. <laughs> Do you know what is my... <laughs> is it yours? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I prefer your Christmas album. <laughs> Thank you. I actually got asked if I would bring it back out for this uh, Euros tournament because uh, all, all the proceeds went to Marie Curie. Oh, man. And I thought, yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, do it. Great. But it didn't make the grade. Oh, man. There's a biggie coming out for the NHS, uh, which by the time this podcast comes out, we will know all about it. It's the regurgitated Vindaloo. Oh, wow. Yeah. And is it called regurgitated Vindaloo? No, it's just called Vindaloo. (laughs) Because that often happens after a Vindaloo. Oh, I love Vindaloo. <laughs> you love the, the, the song. song. And the food. <laughs> <laughs> There's music, you know, leading up to watching Forest or watching England play a massive part in your life. Oh, huge! And I think at, at certain times in your life, music is a, a phenomenal companion in good and bad, and particularly around football, and especially around England. I, you know that. This trendy thing happened about 20 years ago where people started to fall out of love with the national team. And I never did. And I've never really accepted club versus country as a choice. I just love them both. And I want I want to see Forrest in the Premier League and I want to see England win a World Cup and I want to see us win the Euros. I don't have to choose. So what, why, why do we even make ourselves choose? And I think England has... There's something really special about following England because the whole country gets behind it. And when we do well, it's this great national relief and release. And when you're listening to music around it, I mean, I just, my girlfriend's Scottish and she, I drive her mad because I've like three lions on world in motion and Anton Deck. And I just think when the tournament's on, I play it in the house all the time. And it just, it, you know what? Life is really hard sometimes. And football and music are two brilliant ways to just escape, escape all your worries and all your woes. And when they combine, you know, like on a show like this, where we're talking about songs that are linked to football, I just think the emotion and the pleasure of it is so much more heightened. So, yeah, music music plays a, a huge part in my love of football. Track four is the greatest England song ever. It's still sung today. And no, it's not Sing for England <laughs> by yours truly. It is Three Lions by Skinner, Badil and The Lightning Seeds. Let's play. It's coming home, 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 it's coming home. 
if I needed psyching up for the tournament, I've got it now with your song choices. It's just such a great song. Because I remember Euro 96 was hosted in England, obviously, and Nottingham was a host city. So growing up in Nottingham, there were just banners for it everywhere. In fact, I bought one off eBay. So every city that was a host city, there were these huge banners on the lampposts and like the main roads going into town. You know, Nottingham welcomes Euro 96. And I bought one off eBay recently. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But that song just has reminds me of so much. The summer of 96. And then Bedeal and Skinner, I was starting to get into comedy at that point. I loved their programme, Fantasy Football. Just a, a phenomenal, brilliant way to do football on telly and, and make it funny. And they're both fantastic. And I remember the first time they played that song and I thought, oh, yeah, that's all right. Obviously, World in Motion until that point was, was the yardstick. I thought it was okay. And I liked the video. The video was funny. And then as it grew and grew, and then as the tournament took off, and I watched it the other day, someone sent it me, before the semi-final against Germany, when the teams walk out, before they sing the national anthem, the whole of Wembley is just singing football's coming out. Oh, man. I'm feeling emotional thinking about it. The whole stadium of that is caught fire at that point. This has become the national anthem, really. And you just think it's incredible that two comedians wrote that. And I still I have to forget that. Two comedians wrote that. Obviously, Ian Brody from The Lightning Seeds is a great songwriter and he wrote the tune. But Frank Skinner and David Baddiel wrote the lyrics to that. You're like, yeah, yeah. It would be like saying, oh, you know, um, World in Motion was written by Tommy Cooper. And like, you like, what? What do you mean a comedian wrote that? It's too good. <laughs> I think it's just this. And it obviously it's become, I think it was the first time, really, someone had put into words the reality of being an England fan, the frustration of it, the sadness of it. It's not, we're going to go and win the World Cup. It's like, oh, you know, everyone thinks we're rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of, it, and the tune's great. And it's it's made for a football champ. And it, it reminds me of that summer. But obviously 2018 was really the first time it took off again. And, and it, it was so weird seeing it a second time round. It's the first time I felt old, really, because I was like, I remember this first time round. <laughs> that song for football and for England especially, just, I think that touches a part of, people, particularly those of us who remember you're a 96. Oh, well, we should keep on with the theme of fantastic songs because your final track is World in Motion, New Order, 2002, and the John Barnes rap. Let's hear Johnny Barnes. you got to hold and give but do it at the right time. You can be slow or fast, but you must get to the Why that song? Oh, man, for so many reasons. That's the first England song I remember. Italia 90 was the first tournament I remember. So I just remember it being around a lot of the time. In retrospect, what's amazing about it is until the end, it's not really a song about football at all. It, it, it's a song about love's got the world in motion. So it's a really, I think it's a really clever way to do a football song because the song isn't about being an England fan. And then all of a sudden, Barnsley pops up and then we're singing for England at the end. But the front part of it is just a, a really great at the poppier end of New Order. And it, th there as a choice to pick New Order to do it. It's really interesting given they come out of Joy Division and they're kind of like a cult mm -hmm. indie band, really. They're not mainstream. They're very successful. And obviously Blue Monday's massive, but they're kind of outside of the mainstream in a way. So to pick this Manchester band, I just think it's such a was such a great, and that's they're the sorts of people who absolutely should be doing football songs. But it wouldn't have surprised me if in 1990 it was Cliff Richard, and I'm sure it would have been fine. But to pick New Order, you go, oh, that's a really great move, and they deliver the goods. And 
I, I just love, there's about three different parts of that song. There's the song itself, there's the Barnes bit, and then there's the We're Singing for England at the end. And it kind of catches you by surprise. It's only at the end you go, oh God, this is a song about England. I mean, fundamentally, it's a great song. And it's the same with Three Lions, is if the tune wasn't any good, the, the whole thing's dead. It wouldn't matter that it was no order. If the tune was no good, we wouldn't be talking about it. It's a really, really good piece of music. And the sentiment's great and the lyrics are great. And the fact that John Barnes raps on it just makes it even better. <laughs> makes it better. So it is, uh, it's just a perfect song. Do you realise all the England players are on it? Gaza features heavily on it, but they never, ever get a mention. It's only John Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> What a historical injustice. <laughs> Steve McMahon and, you know, players who that all their lives have wanted to be on an England song and John Barnes is known for the rap. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Those I always think of those kind of press shots where it's the band and they're wearing that, that blue Italian 93rd kit and there's Barnsley and Keith Allen. You just think they look so cool and they're in a park and like, I guess there's, in a way... It was really ahead of its time because a lot of um, a lot of England football stuff now does feel more that way, like closer to the people and like it's got like those quite cool, rough edges to it. That was the first time it had that really. It was like, oh, like this is like clips of people playing football on the street and like on council estates and stuff and in the sorts of parks that I grew up playing football mm -hmm. in. It felt very real and close to us. You know, it didn't feel like a kind of distant land. And uh yeah, I just I think everything about it is so cool. I think the clothes they're wearing is cool. The Barnes is obviously just mega cool. Keith Allen's cool. Like it's just great. Can we win the Euros? Oh yeah. I mean, I you know what? It's so odd that you um, ask it in that way because I was I was lit. I get so emotional. I cry every time we get knocked out. It affects me so much. Even during those terrible years, sort of in between ninety eight and and twenty eighteen. Although 2004, I thought we were quite good, really good. I was thinking about this is, it's not that we can't win it. I, I guess it's about whether we like will win it. I think we absolutely can. And actually, if you think of, I always try and think, am I thinking about this the same way that I thought about this before? So for instance, when I think, all right, Kane, Foden, uh, Grealish, Rashford, you go, right, Sterling, we've got this amazing group of talented players. And you kind of kid yourself and go, but hang on, if I look back at Gascoigne, Shearer, you go, well, of course you have great players then. So I've been trying to think back to some of those other squads. I actually think this is possibly the best group of individuals we ever had mm -hmm. in my life. And then in 2018, we actually played like a proper team together for the first time really since God knows when. And it looked like we actually were playing like a Premier League team. So now you go, well, actually, if it's all starting to come together and you've got these amazing players, you've got Harry Kane up front with Foden. You think, well... We have to be one of the favourites. We have just surely, surely those two alone, let alone all the other incredible talent. But then I don't. Am I deluding myself, Cammy? <laughs> I'm now doubting myself. No, not at all. I'm with you. I think one day we're going to win it, and it's very <gasps> soon. Semi-finals in the World Cup. We could get to the final this year. Matt, it's been fantastic chatting to you. Your songs are brilliant and put everyone in the mood for this year's Euros. Fingers crossed, England can win it. Apologise to all the other countries who are listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but it's our turn. Thank you, Matt. You've been a star.
Oh, Cammy, it's been an honour. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Cammy's Supporters Club. Make sure you subscribe to Cammy's Supporters Club on your podcast provider of choice and you'll never miss out on any of the action. And if you've enjoyed listening, give us a review and a rating. I'll be chatting to another guest very soon as they soundtrack their relationship with the beautiful game. See you then. Thank you.